Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers, and on today's podcast, I have Simone Scadamozino. He creates meaningful businesses for conscious and sustainable evolutionary journeys of all planetary ecosystems and communities. He writes, produces, and directs the transformation, uh, transformative, immersive mixed reality uh, universes centered around the participation of human connection by dissolving the boundaries of ancient wisdom and exponential technology. He is the writer, director, and producer of the virtual temporal immersive experience of the virtual Burning Man and the chapter lead of Transformative Tech, a global community creating new tools for exponential well-being and human flourishing. So without any further delay, I would like to welcome my friend, Simeone. Namaste. Namaste. And thank you very much for no butchering my name. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure and with great effort. <laughs> Dylan, it doesn't, uh, let me tell you, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So it, it's particularly, it makes me particularly happy that um, you didn't. <laughs> thank I'm, you. I'm super happy to tell that there's, there, there might be just a slight bit of my uh, uh, ancestral Italian heritage coming forth in this <laughs> oh my god and also thank you for for having me you know thank you very much uh, for the invitation i feel like a privileged one and so thank you and thank drew for for all the uh everything uh taking care of, yeah. of all of us uh leading into this experience of course brother this is this is going to be a co-created experience so it's going to be a lot of fun on this journey so thank you for being here with me as well um this should be a lot of fun <laughs> so, uh, looking into it, yeah, I mean, one of the things was let's kick things off. We just we just had our virtual Burning Man, and there was actually a rogue Burning Man at the same time, uh, fairly recent, and a really unique time, considering that Burning Man has been an in-person festival um, and unique experience, I should say, for a, a number of years and almost decades here, um, and you actually were the lead. Um, in creating the virtual temple burn. Um, I'd like to kick it off with that, with talking about a little bit about your journey uh, leading up to that and what got you involved um, with creating that experience. Well, it's a, it's a great question because it's one of my favorite topics, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, Burning Man, uh, I don't need to, to restate what Burning Man is, but it's a, it's a big global community. It's also a way of thinking as a culture. It's so, so many things. And when last year it wasn't uh, impossible uh, to uh, manifest in physical reality, we decided that it was a great experiment, experiment and experience to, to go into a virtual space. Mm -hmm. So last year we really did it out of our very own hearts and our best uh, effort basis, and it came out so successfully because the great reflection that came from that is that we all burners, like everybody on the, on the planet, I suppose, and beyond, we all ultimately look for connection. And so technology in that particular instance was used by many, even those who have ne had never participated, uh, have never attended Burning Man, was used to, to create a further connection. And so that led straight into this year, into this year. This year, we were very ready, actually, to go back to the pyre. However, we had to 
I, I don't like to use the verb, this verb, but it is to pivot again into a virtual mm -hmm. space. But, you know, the virtual space has become something that is integral to our experience to such an extent that we're thinking of uh, having a goal continue to exist, whether or not we will be soon back on the playa. For me, it means very much because that is part of the work I do. You know, I create multi-sensorial immersive experiences by intertwining, diff you know, by, by creating a new intersection, you know, mm -hmm. between visuals, sound, and other forms of uh, stimuli, entires balance, alignment, and connection. So for me, once again, this year, creating the virtual temple experience was a way for to bring people into a state of altered, so to speak, consciousness, mm -hmm. meaning leading them into a journey, into a very introspective journey. And so that has a lot to do with the culture of Burning Man. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to... Uh, well, it's beautiful. And one thing to talk on, uh, I want to touch on, because people that aren't familiar, it is, there's kind of like this... Uh, I would say a, a bit of a black veil over Burning Man if you've never been to the experience where people see a lot of these photos on social media about people all dusty and dirty, covered in looks like a post-apocalyptic wear, running all over the place, and they just they they see it as uh, uh, essentially just a, a music festival or a, a thing if you've never been there before, or just you know absolute indulgences and you know uh, wild things that might be a bit taboo um but the the temple really represents a place that is very opposite than that it's not about it's not about the like the wildness and the craziness and i'm running around naked and i've got a weird hat on kind of thing which still exists at burning man 100 but the temple is a very sacred place and something that isn't normally seen at these large gatherings and these large events outside of, you know, family funerals and other places. Like, could you describe uh, just a little bit about the meaning of the temple and, and its relationship in general to Burning Man? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Burning Man is also a city, right? It's an ephemeral city that we uh, are blessed to, to build every year. So if that, if we go with this metaphor, if Burning Man were a city, the temple is a spiritual center mm -hmm. of the city. And uh, of course, it's, it's a non-religious, you know, spiritual center, and it's a spiritual center. As such, it hosts all the, the, all the, the whole variety of emotions that people can choose to share with others or just choose to share as i like to say with the space itself mm. so people in it, it is true that it is perceived on the outside as not the crazy place where people in, enjoy dancing and all mm. the things you have expressed but i'd like to say it is actually for for everyone even those ones that are running around so to speak naked but then to have a place to sit with themselves you know mm. with to connect with the inner self and so that is really what i do when i create my the the virtual experiences around the temple is allow people the opportunity to go through their own hero's journey you know mm -hmm. a journey of, of introspection and connection and for instance this year 
have chosen to bring people into a journey where they can begin to familiarize with the chakras and mm-hmm. what the, the role of the chakras in their emotional and physical life. Mm-hmm. And so are you, so when, when talking about that, and I definitely want to talk about this journey because it's not a typical, I've never been to, let's, let's, let's just label it, which just so for simplicity's sake, as a festival. It is also a temple. It is a city. It is a place. But a lot of people go, oh, I haven't been to Burning Man, but I've been to other festivals, right? But they don't, that's the, that's the common, if you say that, that's usually the response. But people that have been to Burning Man, there's, there's nothing quite like the temple that I've seen at, we'll just call them festivals, right? Because it is this place where you can go and you, you have a deep, there is a reverence there. There is a there is a, th- a thing where it's not like the the energy shifts when you walk into the place, and it is a quiet, introspective, reflective connectedness that makes you almost a stoic philosophy, reflecting on the shortness of life and the appreciation of what we have, and that own journey of of thinking about your place in the cosmos and our limited time span. So, um, looking at that fact, and can you describe? a bit about the journey and the chakras and the experience and, and what you've what you've brought in the virtual temple and how it relates back to the actual yeah. temple definitely uh, uh one i want to touch back for a second about you know, on the relationship between the temple and the festival so the presence of the temple it's uh, probably one of the bigger big differentiators mm-hmm. of burning man right with vis-a-vis the, the festivals and also that proves once again that we are also a culture, we are a community, not mm-hmm. only we are a place or an, or an event, so to speak. The way I thought about the temple experience is that we are in our own journey, right, mm-hmm. of uh, introspection and also uh, we are spirits, so to speak, uh, knowing and experiencing this level of uh, awareness through our genetic spaceships. So I was in designing such an experience. I was imagining people journeying into the into the temple, into the hall particularly, uh, where the hall represented the ordinary, the order of things, the way at this level of perception we perceive of things. So in the hall, I created uh, seven different portals, seven different portals, and those portals have a correspondence with the chakra system. And so it, when people um, walked around the temple, they had the opportunity to, first of all, familiarize or reacquaint themselves with the idea that there are forces that are all around us and they are, uh, in, in a way or, or another, directing you know, mm-hmm. our human experience. And so when you walked into a temple, you would get in the proximity of, uh, say, uh, the solar plexus chakra, and this chakra would talk to you and would address you, telling you about what the chakra meant and what the crystal, because each and every portal was a crystal that was relevant for the vibration, for the frequency of the chakra, uh, meant in relation to the chakra. So imagine the chakra was also uh, emitting not only the light, but also the sound that was rebalancing your chakra. So one point I'm going to say here is that in the experience, you could actually rebalance the chakra. Why? Because we are a big music box. And so sound has a big effect 
on our vegetative and emotional states. So it's been, it's, uh, there is a lot of research regarding how sound can affect your breathing, your heart coherence, and many, many other things. And when you were in front of it, after you were in front of it, you could namaste and open this portal into the hemisphere, into the a very emotional, intimate sphere that allowed you the opportunity to explore the different emotions that are connected with one specific chakra. And in that place, by means of sound and visuals, and also connecting in the present moment through a meditation, you were given the opportunity to make your emotional offering, you know, your emotional offering to the temple. So you were giving away your fear or your happiness or all sorts of uh, emotions in that specific range. And that offering would become one pixel in the mosaic that you could see in the temple, where the mosaic was a mandala, a mandala representing the global consciousness on the planet, meaning that every action that we enact on a personal level, it also is automatically connected with the collective level. That's beautiful. And what a way to connect, because when we look at ourselves, you know, one of the questions we can ask ourselves, one of the truths that I believe is that, you know, we are both an individual self and we are part of the global whole. We are both. We are both individually independent and in a little tiny box as a thing. And we were also connected to everything at once. And so I love the way that you used this technology to basically make an emotional offering that then stitched to the global mosaic an entire experience really um, making a collaborative, co-created emotional journey that you could take a look and go, this is the emotions of, you know, X amount of people across the mosaic throughout time, which is, which is a wonderful experience. Um, in terms of doing that, I mean, was there a, a genesis for that thought process? Like, how did you come across that? What came, what, what really opened it up and what was the intent in terms of result you're looking for by creating something like this? Um, the inspiration comes from my, uh, you know, I sit with medicine. One part of my life is being uh, an apprentice curandero, what we mistakenly call the shaman in the mm -hmm. Western yeah, yeah. society. Yeah. And so I get a lot of inspiration regarding uh, the connection uh, between the self and the, and the known self. In, in my journeys, uh, into my transpersonal journeys, uh, where uh, those transpersonal journeys are not only about those specific where I sit with medicine, but it suffices, for instance, for you to go into the Amazon forest to realize how the perspective of, thing, of things change. You know, uh, we always treat or deal with the other species as if there were our guests. But for instance, one of the things that you discover when you go into the Amazon forest is that you are indeed their guest. And that has a, a big impact on the way you perceive of the world. Mm. Uh, so I take a lot of uh, inspiration from that. Uh, because such places show you the incredible level of connectedness that does exist and we tend to forget about 
between us and all the ecosystems that we are integral to and that we are, should be collaborative with. Yeah. I remember I've, I've, I've also um, I've sit with medicine before um, in like the, the Amazon jungle, Makito's area. And I remember we we're in like a little um, village esque area. And then we went for a tour around the place and uh, we went into the forest and there was basically a hole cut out of the forest where you could tell that the, the guides were just, they looked back at us and they're like, don't touch anything just as much as you can get through it and you could feel the life inside there trying to reclose that hole that we're walking through and you can tell that we were we were in this experience and you could tell without the use of technologies without the predecessors coming out of this without our ancestors coming and making paths and those types of things like we are one small piece of this whole collective ecosystem being inside there and we've just gotten very good at being able to carve ourselves out of that situation and then planting ourselves in you know mechanical ecosystems and houses with plumbings and you know refrigerators to store food and we've we've put ourselves out of that and it, it was a, it was one of those moments that i realized i looked at like wow I am very, very, very small inside here. And if with if it's just me by myself and I just had to go off in the woods to figure this thing out, it would be a it would be a challenge to try to make it a few days, let alone thrive. So an appreciation for it, but also appreciation for nature. So um, it does give you that sensation. The sitting with medicine piece um, often people get messages of love and unity and acceptance and things like that. Now, uh, for you, do you feel like that is something that is calling something deep within? Or is that something that we are more of an antenna and you feel like we are getting messages from another source? What is your feelings on that? My feeling is that we do exist outside the confines uh, of our biological uh, presence and uh, also of all the, the confines of our belief system. Uh, so under, under certain circumstances, we are able to reconnect with those multidimensional uh, us or you that mm. we are, but for, for many reasons that we can touch on later if you, if you wish, uh, we tend to forget or to keep it only latent or to at its best try and connect when it's necessary because it is true that at set a certain level of levels of, of vibration it, it it's hard to integrate the two experiences so i think we are uh, multi-dimensional beings uh, that we we need to learn how to integrate the ecosystemic experiences into our daily lives without, though, trying to uh, bastardize them. You know, being in a forest is an incredibly uh, opening experience, per se. Sitting with medicine is part of the connection. Uh, I want to say something that is uh, irrelevant to what, to what you were asking. Sure. Um, in, in my... Uh, in my virtual experiences, I always sing the Icaros. Mm. The Icaros are, as you know, those um, vocalizations that we as shamans sing, emit <laughs> during 
their medicine experiences. Mm -hmm. But to most, those are musical. The truth is that for the, for the shaman and for the medicine, that is a way for us to connect our physical being with the vibration of a plant. So from a shamanic perspective, the vocalization isn't done for the purpose of entertainment or mm. destruction. It's actually us bringing into the physical world the vibration of the plant. So if I'm sitting with ayahuasca, by singing a specific ikaro, I'm bringing to the people that are sitting with me the vibration of that specific plant. And this, per se, it's a mind-blowing thing to only entertain such thing that we as humans are able to connect with the vibrations of the plants and bring such vibrations into our dimensional field for us to enjoy and connect. So mm -hmm. it, is, it is also perhaps changing the perspective with which we choose to frame reality. That is the, at the very nature, at the very heart of the transpersonal experiences that are mediated by, different, by the different uh, devices and tools and incidents that we have just spoken about. Mm. It's interesting because you're right. I mean, being multidimensional beings, the, the challenge is, though, with us is that we can only view things through one or maybe a few lenses at the same time before it becomes overwhelming. So if you um, go on a journey, uh, say, via plant medicine, you, you take in a, a certain type of lens and all these experiences, and, it's, and it can be overwhelming uh, as you're going through it. Um, and you're coming back and you're trying to integrate that lens back into into this environment. And it's one of those things that's it's difficult to to get that back and look through that lens and keep that lens constant um, in this in this reality as you're stepping through things. And and the the challenge is the being able to switch between lenses and then being aware of what lenses you're in and knowing what you need to do to kind of integrate these new lenses that you're given as you go through this experience. It's, it's, uh, I like to call it reality hopping, right? It's uh, every, every, it's, it's like truly um, um, sort of uh, uh, trying to not go for the one size fits all kind of experience. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm trying to say is that when you go in, again, when you go into the forest, mm -hmm. you are the, you're the forest's guest. So you, uh, don't try and, and superimpose or impose uh, or create direct the forest towards your your wishes, but otherwise you try and adapt with it. You try and flow with the forest, mm -hmm. right? So I think that uh, as a state of reality hopping is a, is a state in which you can flow with the different dimensions without mm -hmm. resisting. I think most of our... Uh, issues with integrating it is that we resist. Uh, there's also is a problem that when you come back from the forest, you imagine that whatever was in the forest should be presented to you in the, at this level of vibration on a daily basis, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. The case is that that vibration will continue to stay with you for you to access it by um, devices <laughs> or modalities such as 
breathing, for instance, mm. like being mindful about breathing, that are just as simple as uh, that, but they are available for you if, should you choose not to have to look at the experience you had in the forest as the benchmark, your new mm -hmm. benchmark. Because this reality helping is really going from a reality to another. And every reality you go, the, the rules and the backdrop is changing. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, I mean, we are highly adaptable, very fluid creatures that can really, um, thrive in almost any situation and moving from place to place uh, there's this desire to try to recreate things to chase the dragon to try to say that i want to this is the only state i want to live in but being dynamic we need a lot of things so we need water but too much water will kill us we need food but too much is not a good yeah. thing like and we need we need conflict because we need resolution. We need, we need all sides of it. And, and if we get none of that, then we're not alive. And so understanding that, that you're right, the, uh, you shouldn't have as a benchmark, you should say, okay, what, what, what am I really seeking right now? And then go find a, a, a set, a setting, um, any assistance along the way to get you to where you want to go along the path. Even if sometimes that is just letting go and accepting and and going through this experience as more of a a passenger versus a the grand dictator of all of life's and mastering the whole thing you know there's a there's a power to that and there's a power to what you're talking about the the vibing and lenses there's something about music that you're right it is a it is like this feeling connection thing that you vibe with people that you throw out this the sound and the signal and this energy and you can literally get on the same wave with someone with music or with plants as well um, and go through that. And so do you use, um, in terms of music and Icaros and things like that, how do you, how do you use that on like a day-to-day -day basis? Um, let's say outside of plant medicine, um, for connections and state changes. And what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Uh, on a daily basis, for instance, <laughs> this is very often <laughs> around me. You know, and, and this is, for instance, has a vibration and as a note that is supposed to open your throat chakra. So uh, I've used it before getting started this lovely conversation with you, and I will continue to use it throughout the day or in different times of the day. In other words, I also use white noise or binaurals to mm. knowing that you can uh, direct your brain to in in certain states right you mm -hmm. can direct your brain to be more open to creation more open to connection or more open to reflection or meditation or contemplation uh, in other words we are having this incredible uh, physical experience but we should not perceive of our biological systems as a limitation rather as a a playful and, uh, and soundful music box. I do trust that music can uh, have a big impact on our physical experience. So I, you know, I, I like to say that we are water kept together by sound and light. You know, this is truly uh, our, our molecules law, certain vibrations. Uh. <laughs> 
Water kept together by sound and light. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, okay, I get that we're mostly water. So how, how are we kept together with sound and light? Well, uh, we, uh, the way uh, water organizes itself, mm -hmm. uh, it's, and, uh, it's very much, let me say it as a photonic experience, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, sound and light are two forms of electromagnetism. And uh, there are um, cells that do organize themselves despite of what is happening in our brain, by the way, made mostly of water, mm -hmm. is highly dependent on the conditions of, uh, of sound and light on the planet. Uh, for instance, one very good example is what happens to the plants. Plants are great, great intaker of light and sound, and they do a lot with it. Oh, mm -hmm. and, and we are you know, slowly catching up with that idea by, for instance, you are seeing probably around the world uh, a lot of attention to the vibration of water, to the, uh, its alkalinity, to systems to create a more alkaline water, the system to reduce the residue by non-chemical systems and by non-chemical means. In other words, we are catching up with the theory of sound as a way to exert conditions on the natural, uh, uh, incredibly, by the way, mysterious way mm. uh, our water cells organize in the body. You know, there are 70, 78 you know, uh, <laughs> mysteries of water, and they continue <laughs> to, the mysteries of water continue to, to uh, uh, grow, the, the, the more we get into the, the, the science of it. I'm not familiar with the mysteries of water. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm, maybe I am, but I, I can't even think of comprehend 78. Could you, could you talk a little bit more about the mysteries of water? Well, the mysteries of water, you know, there are many anomalies, you know, uh, the, for instance, one among the, amongst the many is the boiling temperature. You know, uh, of all the gases, water has a different behavior than other gases. So what I'm trying to say is that we are catching up with the idea that it is the condition of sound and light on the planet that is allowing us to live in this physical body as it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't remember which scientists said that under different conditions, we could be a pond of water. You know, like, <laughs> just become a pond of water. And I find it so fascinating. And I find it very fascinating in, in so many ways. And, and you must have heard about the theory of Masaru Moto and so many other researchers who have, for instance, uh, seen the, the influence of certain vibrations on, on the water crystals. So by uh, con conducting experiments where uh, in a glass of water, you have some water to which I was saying, I would be saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. Or to, into another glass of water, I would put water and I would say, I hate you. And mm -hmm. when the crystals of such waters were analyzed after being refrigerated, etc., different, different um, uh, geometric forms were observed. So, which brings back to the connection, the geometrical connections between the way we perceive of things and uh, the way we wear the our endowment at birth. You know, for instance, yeah. uh, when we are born, 
uh, our water is hexagonal, mm-hmm. you know, the water structure. But then when we grow up, it becomes pentagonal. And apparently that, that bond missing is causing us to get old and die. So there's... This, yeah, I, I could go on and on, but stop it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super fascinating, right? There's a ton of mysteries that, like, we, you know, you just look at the, the environment that needed to be set up in order for us to survive here. Our, atmos- our atmosphere holding all of the air in as it's spinning around and keeping everything together, and, you know, versus Mars and have one at not as, and, and so it just goes away. There's, there's a lot of amazing mysteries that we're slowly uncovering and wrapping around, but that sound and music and connection and vibration and our need for water, our need of, of being water. And there is this, there's a thing that people sometimes discount emotions and energy because we get in this very like uh, binary producing, creating like, you know, uh, production environments. And, they, and there's a lot of discounting of emotions like, oh, that's just, whimsical or that's just this and there's a lot of things that you don't realize that if the the trying to fight against what we naturally are can make for a rough going um existence versus being fluid and going through the experience and really um embracing all of our different dimensions can really allow us to uh, make life a much more pleasant fluid journey um, so did you take into account this, these pieces and the, the chakras and everything when you're making the virtual temple burn as well? These All, all of them, all of them and uh, beyond, I'd like to say, because, for instance, one thing that I integrated this year mm-hmm. is the shape-shifting of the crystals. It is another beautiful, incredible mystery that we are surrounded with as as carbonites, you know, as carbon-based structures, sometimes we forget about the silicon-based structures because we, we look at them and we think they do not move, for instance, whereas it's been demonstrated. And I'm, I'm always speaking about science here. Mm-hmm. being demonstrated that those crystals, for instance, shape-shift, uh-huh. meaning they through, the, through a, a, a process that is called truncation. And I was fascinated to such an extent that in the temple journey this year, you could find different crystals in different geometrical shapes, like from the cube to dodecahedron, tetrahedron, like all of them reflecting a process of truncation. Because, uh, you know, the, the cubes and the other platonic solids and the sorts of them, in other words, the sacred geometry that is creating our perception of reality is also something that I would truly love for people to get more in touch with because it's part, I'd like to say, of our well-being, you know, exploring the different states at which we can exist and uh, the states at which all the other forms of existence can exist, I think is part of our well-being. Let's let's explore that a little bit because that's that's interesting. There, when we have different states as humans that we go through, and, and not everybody um, is fully versed in them or is comfortable with exploring them. It's like you know, for for example, um, you know, looking at the um, the temple, there is a thing that people crave deep connections, but they uh, absolutely refuse to get vulnerable, especially publicly. 
Um, and and there's a there's this there's this thing how we 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 crave one thing but we refuse to go into as in the, the hero's journey. It's known as the cave we fear to enter lies the treasure we seek. Yeah. Right. So in terms of these experiences, when you're looking at like a holistic design for humans, are there areas that you're looking at when you're saying, okay, these are the elements that people need. These are the states that they can go in to really have a full breadth of an experience. Yes, I do. Uh, actually, it is at the, at the core of what I do. Uh, I wouldn't do this if it weren't for trying very humbly to truly open perceptive doors into people's hearts and minds. So, for instance, I want to repeat it once again because I think it offers the a perspective. So when you were on the playa this year and you were walking towards the temple, you were walking towards a tensegric uh, ex uh, experience, like a volumetric experience on the above and a non-volumetric experience in the below. So in other words, you would go into the temple hall mm -hmm. and you would uh, approach to different chakras. You would go to a chakra you would be naturally drawn to because they, they each were emitting their own vibrations by sound and color and shape that, mm -hmm. as I said, are truly defining our experience on the planet. And when you, when you would go into, uh, into a meditative state, you would then access what I call the hemisphere. Technically, the hemisphere is the below of the temple, the unseen, something no one can see, a very personal experience in which you could make your emotional offering. So I do design everything with the idea that your sound, the colors, the visuals, the shapes, the moment of the journey, that's why it's sort of a scripted experience in a way, they all contribute to putting you in a state of relaxation. And that is meant to also open you up by lowering your resistance. It's opening you up to reacquaint with your self your higher self, your connected self, that type of uh, reality-hopping experience, hopping experience we just <laughs> have spoken about earlier. It's, in other words, trying to create a, a transpersonal experience by using all the tools that we have available mm -hmm. in technology as we speak um, through multisensorial stimuli. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried what I call reality stacking? where you take um, types of, well, say plant medicines or other types of um, um, substances and then go into a virtual reality experience to stack the realities. I don't know if you've ever tried that or not. Uh, um, I've tried it with, mm -hmm. with uh, um, a, a peer company, peer in our transformative technology mm -hmm. uh, world. I will not uh, <laughs> just advertise here. Sure, but, sure, uh, sure. I, I've I've tried uh, similar experiences, and I and I feel it's part of the medicine of the future. If you ask me, uh, I do believe that with uh, with proper. I, I'm not a, I'm not big in, into thinking that medicine should be used recreationally. So mm -hmm. I feel that if you make it part of a process, 
if you make it part of a process of preparation, of mm -hmm. sitting properly and integrating, it will be the one of the big, big and fascinating fields of our medicine in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there seems to be a, a lot, um, not a lot, but there's been a new wave of um, combining um, digital therapies and psychedelics and other types of things, merging those yeah. uh, together as a, as a form of, because you, you literally are taking over all these different types of reality. As I know, there's there's a couple of different realities. We have our our internal reality, our mental models, our belief systems, our stories. We have our external environments, which is either the physical environment we're in or the virtual environment that you've created, um, or our social realities, what me and you are currently doing inside here. And if you combine those types of environmentals, you know, um, and then you, you have other, other systems in place and a protocol for guiding someone through a cathartic experience it is incredibly powerful we are slowly um mastering our world uh to the tongue-in-cheek but to god-like beings where we can create anything you know and then be able to guide people through that which is a really powerful ability to use this technology for but you're anytime you do anything that's effective uh there's going to be someone that's going to find a way to abuse it Right. There's someone sees it, it has a little of an effect and then they, they, they take it and they run down the streets with it. Right. And so there's uh, the for all good and ill, all these things that we have access to are tools and people can they can either utilize the tools for the most effect or they can abuse the tools um, <laughs> for the unintended purposes. Um, but that is some of the beauty that is life. Some of the beauty that is life is it is all your choice. It is yeah. all your choice. You have complete yeah. and full control to uh, rise or descend. So um... absolutely. And thank you for saying that because again, touching back on the, you, you actually make me think of how uh, beautifully the experience was received by all the people because mm. for instance, one of the biggest feedbacks I received was you allowed us to go to the temple and experience it together. Which is, you know, it's it's like uh, having people being part of their own experience and also create their own experience. In fact, when you walked in, into temple, not only you were welcomed by an incredible wave of uh, binaurals, so mm -hmm. setting the stage for the, you know, for the theta. It was uh, mostly theta. So to for you to journey into the temple, but you could also sit by what I call the pebbles of contemplation. Or the pebbles of connection with other people or alone and in in such small circles create small you know micro experiences amongst a few people temple goers and i mm. saw that frankly none of them has abuse of it and uh, neither of the sitting in the temple or sitting in the in the hole or going into the atmosphere but yes in in the in one of those realities people will abuse and yeah. it's, it's part as you said of of the journey of the journey of, of understanding uh, how important medicine can be if you sit with it rather than using it yeah yeah well i mean the uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that nobody abused the the, the temple um there are uh, a natural inclination because it is a choose your own journey adventure in life of trolls uh, doing things because they can and you know part of the part of the power is you know humans 
for both good and ill, we are highly socially impressionable creatures. We respond very well um, uh, to social pressures. And so a lot of the Burning Man culture, there is a, a lot of hard and fast rules that uh, nobody breaks because we understand that this is a this is a team sport um, and we're all here together, uh, like uh, trashing the playa or doing things that would desecrate it uh, is uh uh, immensely frowned upon and in most other settings it's a complete pass and that's the social structures yeah. in the challenges of these virtual environments with very little social accountability where people can pop in be anonymous do what they want and pop out it's hard to have that social pressures because people feel disconnected and there's this um what's called shouter freud the mm -hmm. called harm joy from seeing, from wrecking people, and it's uh, it's just it's part, you know, it's part of ourselves that is that is there and exists. Um, how do you, you know, and you know, how do you maintain such a powerful culture um, without the the rigors of these social accountabilities using these virtual environments? Do you think? I think the 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 answer is in your initial statement. I, I do believe that the temple is considered sacred by the most. Mm -hmm. You know, and you, you see it in the, in the way people approach it, in the way, in the attention that people put in also asking the questions about how do we use it? How do we create an offering? In other words, uh, they uh, want to make sure that the process, the ceremony, I like to call it more of a ceremony, more of a yeah. ritual, right? Yeah. That the, they understand the ritual because they do feel that that is a sacred space because it's non-denominational, you know, it's non-religious. Mm -hmm. It's really about them and themselves and, then, and them and the people around them. And so that creates... The classic community effect, where every effect where everyone is actually uh, creating his own set of rules for uh, for coexistence, rather mm. than having superimposed rules. Uh, the same applies to the to the mopping of the playa. You know, we all love the playa, and we feel that it's not something that must be done. It's part. It's an integral part of our experience, and mm. so it contradict. Uh, not only the purpose, but also contradict us emotionally if it didn't. Mm. So that's why there's there's lot of beauty in uh, in this take specific take of uh, Burning Man being the temple and the temple burn. You know, mm. we haven't spoken uh, a lot about the temple burn itself, but the temple burn itself has been received incredibly well although people cannot actually experience the, the flames, right? The fire, yeah, the, heat. Like the fire, the fire, the heat, and, you know, the particle <laughs> becoming yeah. the particle effect in virtual experience. Nonetheless, we have received an incredible amount of feedbacks with, uh, you know, very generous feedbacks about how that experience per se created a, a level of connection that to many was very similar, to many was so augmented that they don't prefer it, but they think it has a role 
in mm. the way they perceive of this ceremony of shedding and transformation. There is absolutely the there is a um, a cycle, um, an emotional journey, if you will, going through the temple that 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 can't think of a better word, but climaxes um, with the burn um, that the burning of the temple that is a release of those emotions and a letting go, which is important to honor and then let go. Um, let me ask you this question is what is, you know, with the temple and with all the work that you're doing um, with uh, these multi senses um, and, and really inspiring people to kind of explore the entirety of their humanity. What is your Holy grail that you seek to strive um, um, by creating all of this? Uh, in 2005, uh -huh. uh, <laughs> I had, the, let's say, the, the most transpersonal experience <laughs> of my adult life. I, okay. I went in, I, I had a terrible car crash mm. uh, and with a lot of uh, serious injuries and, uh, and a coma. And so when I came back from, uh, from uh, came back is not even, when I, when I hoped into this other reality after having hopped into that reality i realized that what it takes is connecting you know like the idea itself of connecting with the invisible is per se relevant to our journey and so since then i decided that i had to find ways uh not to to preach but rather to help people connect with a beautiful uh not only aesthetically but in terms of you know a cosmic connection with uh, an ex the experiences that we can relate to if only we chose to stop resisting and remember so what drives me really that my holy grail is making people aware and mm -hmm. allow them to connect you know to entertain uh Hurtedly, emotionally, and, and uh, uh, mentally, the idea that what we have so far spoken about at length, like our multidimensional yeah. us, does have a place in our existence. It's not something that is there, but something that is here. You know, not for you to take, because that would be part of this uh, extremely materialistic perspective on reality. Is for you to connect. You know, when I like to say I create experiences for connected well-being, mm. I not only make reference to the technology and to how technology can connect us with one another, but also in the way uh, with which technology can connect us with versions of the self. That is my holy grail. That's beautiful, yeah. yeah. And connecting with the other and connecting with yourself as if you are all one, which is a beautiful holy grail. If that is the case, and I think you touched on a little bit, what is the dragon guarding the grail? What is the thing, the greatest challenge for you that you may not be able to overcome? Are you fear that you may not be able to overcome, but you are, uh, are willing to do battle with? You just said it, fear. You know, fear, I like to say that fear keeps you here, you know, and we could start an entire long-winded conversation about fear. <laughs> but, you know, fear, fear is, a, is a very interesting biological mechanism, but it, it is also what is that hand, you know, 
that distanced you from uh, unknown, from the unknown, right? Yeah. From what is not available to us. Because we know, we also know the areas of the brain that are uh, involved in such a process. So, mm. yes, the fear. You know, like uh, I like to say that the fear is the fear of being fearful, <laughs> right? So it's it's definitely that. You know, like just allowing yourself the opportunity mm-hmm. to see just once to feel just once, to connect just once with dimensions that don't need to be visible to exist. You know, and this is where, you know, this is, this is really where we begin to open that little door, then perhaps it becomes a portal <laughs> later on, you know, and the door of being John, Mal- John Malkovich, remember, <laughs> that little door. <laughs> and then it becomes a portal as big as uh, La Puerta del Sol, right? They're going to Machu Picchu. And, yeah. you know, it, it's just putting the, the doubt, that, mm-hmm. that crack into the wall of fear, you mm. know, and uh, allowing our emotions to let go our brain to let go and allow just once, just once, because this is what it takes, just once the doubt that we are not, we, of course we are in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the, the moment of uh, the yuga, we're saying the yuga of uh, material consciousness, but that we are also other versions of us. So that crack is what I'm working on and uh, I might be the dragon to tame. That's beautiful. <laughs> right. If you're, if you look at that in terms of, if your goal is to connect with others and connect with yourself, inspire other people to do that along the path, fear is the ultimate wall. Fear close. I mean, think about the reaction. You fear, you tighten up, you, you shut down, you close up, you remove people deeply want to connect with people online. People want to talk about their journeys, but they're afraid of what people will think their fear of this. So uh, that makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, and uh, and is in completely alignment with the with the, the the hero's journey that you've articulated along the way. Um, with that being said, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about um, before you can tell them how to get a hold of you? Um, there's something that uh, I'd like people to know, and it is the last year's uh, experience, mm-hmm. Temple Burn 2020. Uh, we have transposed it into into a movie and that movie has, has made it uh, into the selection of a couple of festivals, one being the Chelsea Film Festival. So I'd really like uh, those who have not had the, ex- the experience, <laughs> the time and place to experience, to try and experience it. Because again, what I'm trying to bring into people's uh, worlds is a form of alignment and balance through the content that I create. Uh, Mm. It is not about the content in itself, it's about the effect that that type of content is supposed to bring into into their experiences. And also something I'd like to share with people now is this. I'd like to, if you allow me, Mm. to only strike one long-lasting note for, you know, for everybody's 
alignment. Please, yes, that'd be beautiful. And to bring the spirit of the forest into everybody's life. Sorry for the drum roll experience, but this is some Palo Santo that I'm really <laughs> putting on for everyone, you know, as a moment of contemplation, meditation, togetherness. I really hope that we do unite in one big breath in, And a big exhale. Oh. Simeone, it has been an absolute pleasure. If people want to find out more about you and what you do, how do they get a hold of you? Um, I'm not a big social person, social media person, but uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. It is something, and just type my name and last name, and uh, I'll be happy to, to connect. Beautiful. Brother, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I appreciate all of it, and I will see you on the other side. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel, again, as I said, privileged to have had this amazing conversation with you. It was an absolute honor, brother. Take care and have a blessed and beautiful day. See you later. You too. Namaste. Namaste. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.